Hello, everyone, and welcome to the July 8th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. Less than six months after Masood Kanabinejidian was hired as a senior vice president and credit administrator for RoboBank, his employment was terminated. Following the termination in 2006, he filed a workers' compensation case for severe emotional distress, claiming that RoboBank discriminated and retaliated against him based on his national origin. After five years of litigating with the WCAB, it ruled against him, finding that he did not meet the threshold of compensability for a psychiatric claim. His petition for reconsideration and a writ to the Court of Appeal were both denied. Kababinajidian then filed a pro per civil complaint in San Bernardino Superior Court against Rabo Bank and its employee Cheryl Walker in 2011. He alleged a violation of FIHA statutes and related causes of action. The Superior Court sustained Rabobank's demur to that case in 2012 without leave to amend and dismissed his first amended complaint. Following the dismissal of his San Bernardino County wrongful termination suit, Cababina Jadian then filed another pro per civil complaint now in the Sacramento County Superior Court, this one for abusive process and intentional infliction of emotional distress. To this second civil case, the employer filed a special anti-slap motion to strike his complaint. The trial court agreed with the defendants and dismissed the case and awarded the defendants attorney fees. And the dismissal of his second Superior Court case was affirmed in the unpublished case of Cababinejadian v. McGenzie. To combat lawsuits designed to chill the exercise of free speech and petition rights, typically known as Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation, or SLAPs, the legislature has authorized special motions to strike claims that are based on a defendant's engagement in such protracted activity. And now our crime report. 71-year-old James T. Lee, a doctor who operates a medical clinic in West Hollywood where he specializes in treating HIV patients, has been taken into custody. Prosecutors allege he engaged in a long-running scheme to defraud health insurance companies in connection with the brand-name human growth hormone serosotim. The indictment against Lee charges him with one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud, six counts of health care fraud, and one count of making false statements, and two counts of witness tampering. Dr. Lee allegedly engaged in a scheme to divert serosotim, an injectable human go- growth hormone that is FDA-approved for HIV-positive patients, from legitimate HIV patients to... Other people who purchased the drug for its purported anti-aging properties. The Food and Drug Administration has approved serosotim for use only by HIV patients with wasting or cachexemia 
who are also receiving anteroviral therapy. According to the indictment, Lee wrote prescriptions for serosodium to HIV patients who obtained the drugs using their Medicare Part D benefits. Dr. Lee then illegally purchased the drugs back from these patients for the purpose of reselling them for a significant profit to other patients who were not HIV positive. The other patients used the human growth hormone to build muscle and for other cosmetic purposes. Lee allegedly engaged in witness tampering during meetings with a patient that were recorded without his knowledge. During those meetings, Lee encouraged the patient to provide false information to federal agents who were investigating the case. Dr. Lee coached the patient to lie about the Sarasota scheme, including by falsely stating that kickback payments from Lee were merely overpayments from the insurance companies. Lee and his co-conspirators submitted at least $14.2 million in claims to the insurance companies for serosodium injections. The California Labor Commissioner has cited Amore Retirement Living, a Daily City senior care facility for multiple wage theft violations affecting 48 workers. The workers are owed more than $639,000 for underpaid minimum wage, overtime, and contract wages, as well as other penalties. An investigation was begun last June after a complaint claimed that the employer did not have workers' compensation insurance. Investigators found that the 53-bed facility lacked coverage for the previous five years and uncovered many other labor law violations. Investigators learned that Amore Retirement Living did not provide overtime or meal periods for their employees who worked an average of 58 hours a week. A payroll and time records audit also showed that 29 employees worked split shifts without being paid the one-hour premium required in order to provide around-the-clock care to the residents. When workers are paid less than minimum wage, they are entitled to liquidated damages that equal the amount of underpaid wages plus interest. Waiting time penalties are imposed when the employer intentionally fails to pay all wages due to their employee at the time of separation. 51-year-old Angel Musonis, who lives in Salinas, and 45-year-old Navid Nomami of Monterey pled no contest to operating their private security guard business, Mile High Security, without having workers' comp insurance. Both men were certain sentenced to three years' court probation and ordered to each pay $10,000 in criminal penalties. The district attorney, Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit, opened an investigation into Mile High Security last December. The company advertised and operated itself as a private patrol operator without having a valid license to do so. Interviews with Homami and Musconis confirmed that they had as many as eight employed security guards, but did not have workers' comp insurance, which is a misdemeanor labor code violation.
And in medical news, researchers at Imperial College London have developed a prototype mini MRI scanner that fits around a patient's leg. The device, which uses so-called magic angle effect, could potentially help diagnose knee injuries more quickly and more accurately. The device, which looks like a large metal ring through which a patient places their leg, could help diagnose conditions such as anterior cruciate ligament injuries. And the small size of the device could enable it to be used in local clinics, potentially reducing waiting times for MRI scans. Currently, key components of the knee joints, such as ligaments and tendons, are difficult to see in detail in traditional MRI scans. Knee injuries commonly affect one of three areas, the tendons, which attach muscle to bone, the meniscus, a cushioning pad of cartilage that prevents the bones of the joints from rubbing together, or the ligaments through bands of connective tissue that hold bones in a joint together. MRI scans use a combination of radio waves and strong magnets to flip water molecules in the body. The water molecules send out a signal which creates the image. However, tendons, ligaments, and meniscus are not usually visible with MRI due to the way water molecules are arranged in these structures. These structures are normally black on an MRI scan because they simply do not produce much signal that can be detected by the machine to create the image. The brightness of these tissues strongly depends on the angle between the collagen fibers and the magnetic field of the scanner. If this angle is 55 degrees, the image can be very bright, but for other angles, it is usually very dark. Thus, this phenomena is known as the magic angle. This magic angle can be achieved in the prototype scanner because technicians are able to easily change the orientation of the magnetic field while the patient sits comfortably in a chair. The specially designed magnet, which uses motors and sensors similar to those found in robots in car factories, can rotate around the leg and orientate the magnetic field in multiple directions. This is not possible in current hospital MRI scanners, which are also much more expensive than this new prototype scanner. And a new study finds that nearly 9 in 10 doctors believe barriers set by insurance plans have led to worsened conditions for patients. These researchers say that doctors are so fed up with the constant headaches caused by insurers, two-thirds of them would recommend against pursuing a career in medicine. And nearly half are considering a career change altogether. The researchers polled 600 physicians practicing either family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics, or obstetrics gynecology. The group sought to understand the extent to which insurance policies impact primary care physicians, their practices, and their patients on a day-to-day basis. 
They also wanted to get a better understanding of mental health issues among providers, as well as the causes behind the national provider shortage. Researchers found that physicians do not think very highly of health insurance companies, and they believe they're putting patients at risk with policies such as prior authorizations ahead of filling prescriptions. In fact, 87% of doctors say patients' conditions have grown worse because of such red tape regulations. And 83% worry that the patients will suffer prolonged pain as a result. Prior authorizations are especially bothersome for doctors. More than 9 in 10 of those surveyed think the policy delays necessary care for patients. Similarly, the same number of doctors agree that insurers engage in non-medical switching, which forces patients to take less costly but potentially less effective medicines. And such policies are stressing many physicians out. 37% say half or more of their daily stress is caused by insurance issues. And 65% feel they're facing greater legal risks because of decisions made by insurers. The vast majority, 85%, are left frustrated by such issues. And many admit to taking their anger and emotions out on their staff and even family members. The survey showed that 77% of doctors have had to hire more staffers to handle the heavier administrative load from insurance work. And 90% say they have less time to spend with patients because of this burden. As for the aspect of insurance policies that doctors would like to see changed most, 55% agreed on an insurer's ability to override the professional judgment of physicians. And another study presented at Sleep 2019, which was the 33rd annual meeting of the Associated Professional Sleep Societies, finds that a staggering number of nurses may suffer from insomnia. And about one in eight admit to taking medication to help them stay awake during the day. The findings add to a growing list of studies that sound the alarm on the condition of healthcare practitioners forced to work long, stressful shifts. This latest work reveals that 31% of nurses show symptoms of consistent with chronic insomnia. The same amount also show signs of shift work disorder, which happens when one's work shift coincides with the time they'd normally be asleep. Perhaps even more frightening is that 13% of nurses rely on medication to help them stay awake, and 4.5% battle excessive daytime sleepiness. In addition, more than a quarter, 27%, take sleeping medication before bed, while nearly half, 49%, typically log about 6.6 .6 hours of sleep each night, which is less than the recommended 7 hours. The study also found that 18.5% of nurses have a moderate to severe risk for obstructive sleep apnea. 
nurses are at increased risk for circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorders, such as shift-work disorder. And in other news, United Insurance has now been named as the Applied Underwriters Buyer. A few weeks ago, rumors surfaced about a possible sale of workers' compensation specialist and California-based Berkshire Hathaway subsidiary Applied Underwriters. The California Department of Insurance was reviewing an application for the sale. However, the buyer was not identified. But news sources now say that Berkshire Hathaway has agreed to sell applied underwriters to Bahamas-based United Insurance Company, which was recently part-owned by Aon. United Insurance is acquiring Berkshire's 81% stake in the insurer, as well as the stakes owned by two other executives. The financial terms of the deal were not disclosed. While Berkshire has never disclosed exactly how much it paid for Applied, a 2007 report from SNL Financial put the deal price then at $339 million. Applied Underwriters has been accused of being a reverse Ponzi scheme in a pending civil suit filed in 2016 by ex-clients, an accusation the company has denied. Regulators also are probing the company over allegations of bait-and-switch tactics. The company is under investigation by New York and New Jersey regulators for selling unregistered insurance products. The company has denied any wrongdoing in these cases as well. A consortium of insurers and hedge funds were previously reported to be interested in buying the company. And that is all of our news and events for this short week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on the Amazon website. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Scarron, Manukian, Langevin. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.